us today, uh, the second Sunday of the new year, 2015. I hope you had a uh, great Christmas, great holiday. I hope you're back uh, in the rhythm of life and ready to get back. And uh, hopefully you've got all your Christmas decorations down. For those of you rednecks who don't, get them down. Come on. Don't look like a loser in another week or two. Um, hey, one other thing I want to let you know about in 2015 that is uh, fast approaching, and that is life groups, life group Sunday, uh, kicking off all of our life groups. Uh, where's Julie? Julie in here this morning. There, raise your hand big time, Julie. She's right there. Hey, if you are uh, leading, assisting, hosting a group in the new year, and you've not yet uh, given your information to Julie, talk to Julie about it. Make sure you see her today, uh, because that is fast approaching. We're ready to uh, launch our life groups, life groups Sunday uh, in a couple of weeks. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm jacked about today. I am. I'm excited, because I love talking about the church. I love talking about what God has in store for us. I feel like, uh, you know, sometimes when I pray and I'm getting ready to preach, I say, God, set me on fire and let people watch me burn. And today, that is just the way I feel. I'm excited about today. Last week, we talked about, uh, it was the year in review. And uh, we took a look back, had a lot of fun, talked about 2014, you know, what God did through us and uh, all the great things that happened. And uh, we kind of turned the page, closed that chapter. Uh, I I opened up with some top stories uh, from last year, 2014. And since this is the year ahead, 2015, um, I thought I'd make some predictions for 2015. Now, truthfully, when you think about it, this is not that hard. In fact, you could probably come up with some predictions of your own. So here we go, 2015. Um, Here's some predictions that I'm going to make for the new year. I believe that some uh, athlete on your favorite college football team will be kicked off for drugs, alcohol, or some sort of team violation. Now, I was going to pick on Carolina or Clemson, but I'm not going to do that. But anyway, that's what I believe, though. In 2015, I predict that an NFL player will plead guilty to aggravated assault in 2015, maybe even domestic violence. I believe in 2015, I really believe this, that Justin Bieber is going to make a comeback. I really think that um, because I'm a believer. So anyway, okay, so um, uh, the Avengers, here's, here's my prediction for 2015. The Avengers, Fantastic Four, Jurassic World, they are all going to make a load of money at the box office this summer. Um, I predict that, that Taylor Swift is going to break up with somebody, and um, she's going to write a hit song all about it. Um, I predict that in 2015, there's going to be another zombie movie and another, uh, another zombie show. Um, you know, seriously, you know, when you think about it, you could probably come up with some uh, good uh, predictions of your own. But sadly, here's what I really think uh, 2015 holds for us, uh, our, our culture, our community, our country. Um, I think in 2015, folks, we are going to see greater discord, uh, greater unrest. Um, I think in 2015 that our our culture and our country, uh, we will move further and further away from God's kingdom. I believe that in 2015, the racial, religious, political, and even economic divide is going to get worse in our country, not better. I think we will see more shootings. I think we will see more protests, not fewer. I would not be surprised that in 2015 we did not see another terrorist attack and that I would not be surprised if it didn't come from within. Hey, let me ask you today. What are your predictions for 2015? What do you see? Or maybe more importantly, what's our response? 
I mean, honestly, what are we going to do about it? You know, as a people, as a church, what do we do? I mean, hey, we got some options. You know, we could all uh, dig a hole in the ground underneath our house and become preppers. You know, we could do that. Some of you got enough guns already to do that. Um, uh, we, could, uh, we could pack it all up, you know, uh, get an RV and get off the grid. Some of you have, have joked about that. Um, you know, do we run away? Do we run away to some other country? Hey, listen, church, here's what I believe. No, I think just the opposite. You see, here's what I believe. I believe that it's time uh, for the true church to rise up and to be the church. I think in 2015, it's time for the true church to show the world a different way, a different path, that there is purpose and meaning and hope in life, and his name is Jesus. Now, what I want to do today is very simple. I, I want to enlarge and expand our vision for the church, your vision, your idea about the church. And I'm asking God to help us see something more, to help us see something that would challenge us as a church. I'm asking God to give us a glimpse of, you know, what Coastal could be, what we could do, what we could become. Now, what I'm going to talk about today uh, is not new, though. In fact, the truth is I've shared some of this over and over and over and over again. But here's what I've learned about vision, about purpose, about mission, that it doesn't take any time at all for us to forget why we're here and why we do what we do and what our purpose is all about and to start focusing on ourselves and to turn, to turn inward. And just about the time that I think maybe, man, you've heard it too much, you're sick of hearing it, is probably just about the time that you're starting to get it. By the way, that's a, that's a leadership principle that's true in business, that's true in sports, in your family, but also in the church. In fact, I think I got biblical precedent for that. Because the Apostle Peter put it this way in 2 Peter. He said this. He said, I plan to keep on reminding you of these things. Even though you already know them and you're standing firm in the truth, yes, I believe I should keep on reminding you of these things as long as I live. And I feel that way today about what I'm going to talk about. So let me begin by simply sharing with you what I believe about the church, about the local church. You and I, as believers on no merit of our own, okay, completely by the grace of God, we get to be a part of the greatest, most powerful, awesome, living, breathing thing on the planet Earth. The Bible says that the church, you ready for this? We are the body of Jesus Christ. We are the bride of Christ. You know, one of my favorite stories is the now kind of legendary story of how back in 1983, Steve Jobs uh, lured John Scully, then of uh, the president of Pepsi, away from Pepsi and to come work uh, at Apple Computers with this pitch. This is what he said. Hey, do you want to sell sugared water for the rest of your life? Or do you want to come with me and change the world? You know what? That's how I feel about the church. I'm serious. I, I, I think everything else on this planet is sugared water. 
I mean, unless you are intentionally, missionally living for God on purpose, on mission, everything else we do, just sugared water. Apple computers, I'm a Mac guy. I've never used a PC in my life. I was using Apple before it was hip to use Apple, okay? Apple computers compared to the church, sugar water. Disney, the best they could ever dream and come up with, sugar water. The, the best Hollywood might ever produce, sugar water. You ready for this one? Capitol Hill in Washington. What are they? Sugar water. We, the church, we are a part of the only thing, you ready for this, that will last on into eternity. And in the process, we get to change the world. Now here's the truth though. And I know this to be true. It's the reality. I'm not going to whitewash it. People are leaving the church today. There are churches all across our country that are dying. They're losing members. Big, beautiful cathedrals uh, empty on Sunday mornings. Why? Why? Well, I think the church has lost its way. I think for the most part, the church today has forgotten why it exists. Let's break this down and talk about it. I believe the church today needs to be a hospital. A hospital. Let me explain. What I mean by that is this. A place where hurting and wounded people could come for healing and love and care. You know, I believe that in 2015, we have got to be a place where people who are hurting, who are struggling, who are struggling relationally, struggling financially, struggling physically, struggling emotionally. They've got to be able to come as they are and find healing and hope and refuge. By the way, if that's true, if the church is a hospital, we need more and more what? We need more doctors and nurses and technicians who, when those people come, can keep treating and caring for more and more people. Now, obviously, what I'm talking about is leadership. That's what we need. Volunteers, high-capacity volunteers and leaders. But I believe the church is a hospital. I also believe the church is a family. We need to become more and more like a family. What I mean by that is this. A safe place where anyone, no matter who they are or what they've been through. Now, let me stop right there for a second. Did you hear that? No matter who they are. Okay, let me clarify that even further because this is a problem in today's church. White, black, Hispanic, Asian. You know what the real answer to racism today in 2015 is? It is love. It is God's love. Our church, day by day, more and more, has got to become a beautiful reflection of the community in which we live and the home and glory to which we are headed to. And by the way, God sees no color, does he? No, and if you're not okay with that, man, we can get out the phone book and help you find another church that is dead and dying, and you can go to that one, and don't let the door hit you on the way out. Now, a safe place where anyone, no matter who they are or what they've been through, can come as they are and find love and acceptance and forgiveness. Let me break that down. I believe that in 2015, and we've got to be a church where that, that 16-year-old student who is struggling with their sexual identity, they can come as they are. And not only find truth, but they can find love. 
and acceptance and hope and redemption. They would be welcome here. You see, if all we are doing is shouting truth without showing love, without redemption, without hope, without admitting that we're all just sinners who have been forgiven by the grace of God through Christ, then you know what? We are no better than the Pharisees and the Sadducees because it's not just about being right. It's also about relationships, right? It's about redemption. It's about hope. It's about our relationship with God and with, with, with mankind. It's about Jesus, by the way, one thing I know about hospitals and about families, they are messy, messy places. <laughs> they are. And I want you to hear this loud and clear. The ministry that I am describing, the church that I am describing is messy. It's messy. It's messy relationally. It's just messy. And you need to be okay with that. I mean, I'm serious. If this is just a fancy show with pretty lights and hip clothing, we all put on our Sunday best, and we come to see and be seen, and we hear a sweet little message from Pastor Chris that tickles our ears, then let's all go home. I mean, if we come here and we go home neither changed or challenged to change the world in which we live, man, let's quit Let's give this stuff and our property and our things to a real church who will take over and reach people for Jesus. But we have a mission. You know, the church is also a school. Let me talk about that for a second. I believe that the church ought to be a place where believers can come and be equipped to do ministry. Where they can learn how to live as a missionary in your neighborhood, in your workplace, at your school. See, what I'm talking about there, that's discipleship. Now, the problem today is that most people, if you've been in the church for any period of time, you tend to have a warped view of discipleship. Most people who've been raised in the church think that discipleship is all about getting information, all about knowing the facts. Now, listen to me carefully. The right information is important. Good theology is important. But being a follower of Jesus is more than knowing the right information. You know, if that's true, if that is all discipleship is about, then the most mature, the deepest followers of Jesus would have been the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and yet Jesus spent more time spiritually spanking them and calling them whitewashed tombs in the, in the sense that you look pretty on the outside, all clean, but in your core, in your heart, you're rotten. He called them snakes. Listen, believers today, we have more access to more information than at any other point in human history. The problem is that we've forgotten that the truth is a person. And discipleship has got to be more and more about leading people to him and allowing him to change them and becoming more and more like him. Here's a good two-word definition for discipleship by the very words of Jesus. He said this over and over and over again. Follow me. Follow me, that's it. You know, listen to the voice of Jesus above all other voices and become more and more like him by doing what he says. So the church is a school, a hospital, a family. The church is also an army, an army willing to do battle against the enemy and to reclaim our community and our church for Christ.
to beat down the very gates of hell and to rescue people. But in 2015, here's the deal. We have got to be clear about who our real enemy is because the church is wasting time today. Listen, this is some of this you're not going to hear in another church, but you're going to hear it today. Our enemy is not another church. Other churches are not the competition. You know, you're not going to hear that at Coastal ever. We're on the same team. We have the same leader. If you preach Jesus, if you believe in salvation through faith in him alone, then we're on the same team together. That's not the enemy. You ready for this? Our enemy is not the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. This will stretch some of you. You ready for this? Our enemy is not the gay community. Our enemy is not Barack Obama or the next president that you might happen to disagree with. Let's talk about what the Bible says, right? You know what the Bible says? The Bible, in fact, says that our enemy is not, you ready for this, flesh and blood. Our enemy is Satan. He is real. Jesus said he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And the very people, so many who call themselves Christians, are yelling at and protesting against and judging are the very people that Jesus died on the cross for, the object of his love. That's why people are leaving the church in droves, because the church has lost its way. You see, the church I'm describing is the hope of the world. The hope of the world. And I believe that. I'm a part of it by the grace of God, and so are you. Listen to this. You ready for this? Presidents, world-class athletes, Fortune 500 CEOs, they do not go to work each day and do what they do with eternity hanging in the balance. But as a follower of Jesus, you do. I do. Because we're a part of the church. Now, because I believe those things about the church, about Coastal, this is what I believe about our church for 2015. God has called us to change the world one life at a time. To do ministry that has an eternal kingdom impact on the lives of the people in our community and all over the world to keep growing, to keep marching forward. I think, you know, we ought to be able to answer this question. Hey, would there be a void if there were no longer a coastal community church? Would our community be missing something? Have we made, made an impact? Are we making an impact? Now again, why? why? Why do we do all this? Why are we doing all this? The answer is very simple. Because people are lost and they need Jesus. He is the hope of the world. I believe that. I hope you do. And if you do, you will see yourself as a missionary. Where you work, where you live, where you play. And you'll be thinking, man, who am I praying for? Who am I inviting to Coastal? Man, this is serious stuff. What I'm talking about today, this is life and death stuff. This is what life is all about. Listen, don't you know, I'm sure you know this, right? Life is not about stuff. 
Life is not about things. It's not about living for the weekend or making a decent living so that one day hopefully you can retire. It's not about providing a nice nest egg for your children. What do you think your children and your family need most anyway? Things, trinkets, or Jesus? You know, when they all stand before God one day in eternity, and we all will, what's your nest egg going to do for them then? It is about loving God and loving people. Life is short, guys. It is just a mist. It's here for a moment, gone forever. And so all we need to be about doing is introducing as many people as possible to Jesus. Now today, I just want to be clear about that. That our mission, our purpose is to share life with people. You know, in John 10, 10, Jesus put it this way. He said, my purpose is to give life in all of its fullness. And so that's our purpose. You know, true life is only found in Christ. And if you believe that, let's take that further. That means then that people are either dead in their sin or they've been made alive in Jesus. And so we very unashamedly try to motivate people to make Christ the Lord and the Savior of our lives. Jesus commanded us to do that. He commanded his followers to make disciples. And so as a church, as individuals, we are seeking to obey that command to share the good news until he comes again or he calls us home. Listen to Matthew 9, chapter 36, uh, Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 through 38. It says this about Jesus. He felt great pity for the crowds that came because their problems were so great and they didn't know where to go for help. They were like sheep without a shepherd. In fact, he said to his disciples, the harvest is so great But the workers are so few. So pray. Pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send out more and more workers for his fields. How many of you like to people watch? Are you people watchers? Come on, we're all boyers, aren't we at heart? We like to watch people. Whether you're at an airport or at a mall. um, Let me ask you. Well, notice here, that's exactly what Jesus was doing in this passage, by the way. He's just watching people. He's watching them. Now, what did he see? You know what he saw? He saw messed up people. I mean, he saw people with problems. In fact, he saw people with problems so great that they didn't even know where to go. Guys, you know what? That's 2015. That describes us. That's our world today. Now, what about you? What do you see? You know, when I look around today and what I see, I see people who are hurting. I see people who are hopeless. I see people turning to anything or anyone just to fill that void in their heart. I see people so confused. I see people beat down with greed, or poverty, just different sides of the same coin. What about you? I, I see families breaking up. I see teenagers hurting and lost and confused. I see some that are so angry. I, feel, I see people filled with, with anger and hate. People that are hurting one another or hurting themselves. 
I see people that have no idea of their value or their worth. I don't know about you, but if you see those things and you and I are filled with compassion, like Christ, we're going to want the church to grow and keep marching forward and keep reaching people, including more and more people. we got to dream and plan. Why? Because people are lost without Christ. And by the way, our primary focus on Sunday is achieving that objective. Church is not about you. When did you get that idea? It's not. Reaching people, that, that shapes everything we do. We are on a mission. And it is the same mission that Jesus had to seek and to save the lost. And we will do anything, use everything at our disposal. We will do anything short of sin to accomplish that. You know, last week we, uh, we looked back at 2014 and I talked about some of the different series that we have done. And I want to talk about a few things, not a lot, but a few that we're going to be doing in 2015. Uh, next Sunday, uh, January the 18th, uh, if you saw this on my email or Facebook, we're going to be kicking off a series here at Coastal uh, called This Is How We Roll. And uh, it's going to be about the purposes of the church and some of the, some of the distinctives that make uh, Coastal uh, who we are. This is how we roll. Uh, we're going to give away a, a Pontiac GTO. No, we're not. I'm just teasing. We're not going to do that. Um, in February, this is, boy, this is needed if, if, if nothing else is needed. Since it's the month of love, uh, we're going to do a relationship series. It's been a little while since we've done one, but we're going to talk about uh, sex and dating and marriage and, and what the Bible says about those things. Um, I'm really pumped up about our Easter series. Two-word title. Uh, it's it's, it's going to be called Love can. Love can. And, and the idea for the series really is very simple, and it's this. What this world really needs today is love. Love is the answer. God's love. I believe love can. Love can change. Love can heal. Love can save. Love can restore. Love can forgive. Love can redeem. Love can satisfy. Love can overcome. Love can conquer. In fact, we're going to open up a big old can of, of love on, uh, <laughs> on our community and show them what a difference Jesus can make. You know, another big change that's going to happen in 2015, I hadn't even talked about it yet, is that we are, for the very first time in the history of our church, in 25 years, going to be building a building on our property. In fact, uh, the whole process, in fact, this morning as you walked to the campus, if you parked over there in the field or across the street, if you walked over, you probably saw some pretty colors uh, in the grass or on the ground, uh, because this week, the whole process begins with silt fencing and tree protection and water retention and a construction entrance. I don't even know what all those phrases mean, but I'm told they begin this week. Uh, we are going to be building uh, right over there in the field a 12,000 square foot building that will serve as a uh, recreation and worship space. Uh, for our church and for the community. We are going to be able to seat uh, almost 500 people in worship, and then we're going to play basketball and volleyball and serve our community during the week. However, do you know what happens to a lot of churches when they start building buildings? They forget their mission. They get distracted. 
They get inward focused. Coastal, I will not let that happen with my dying breath. Together, we are not going to let that happen. You know, as excited um, as I am about, you know, building our first building, and it's going to be exciting. We're going to be taking pictures and making a lot of jokes and having a lot of fun about how, when it's all happening and all of that. I was more excited last Sunday when we came here anticipating to baptize one person and we ended up baptizing five people. Guys, that's why we do what we do. A building is just a what? A tool. It's just a what? A tool. That's it. It is a tool, in fact, that we are going to leverage and we are going to use and use up and use slap up to keep reaching more and more and more people. Now, if you believe that, that the church is not about you, that it's about bringing glory to God and by the very power of the Holy Spirit, reaching people for Jesus, then you are going to start proving it to me next week. When I ask you to inconvenience yourself for the sake of other people, for the sake of the growth of our church, and for the sake of Jesus. You see, next Sunday, we will temporarily lose, you ready for this, all of that parking on that side of our property. Everything. All gone temporarily until we're finished. Now, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to start asking all of you, everybody who uh, you know, is a member of Coastal, a, a regular attender, a, a high-capacity volunteer, I'm going to ask all of you to park where? Across the street over in the Oakland Elementary School parking lot. In fact, the further away you park, the more spiritually mature you are, okay? Uh, no, the better. The further away you park, the better, you know, to make room for other people because here's what we want to do. We want to give the closest parking temporarily right here to who? New people, guests, lazy people. No, newcomers, guests. Okay, elderly, pregnant. Okay, I'm not going to be legalistic about this. However... I will say this, I said in the first service, I will repeat this. If you are a volunteer, if you are a member of Coastal, and maybe even a, high, a regular attender who's not ill, pregnant, you know, incapacitated, and you park over here, all I can say is that I'm going to pray down the wrath of God and all the plagues of the Old Testament on you, your family, and your car, and I will key your car and stab your tire with an ice pick. And I think I've got biblical precedent behind me to do that. So, no, because I, th I, th I think we have some people actually get up during the first service and leave, go park their car. So, don't do it. We're not going to be real legalistic about it, but you know who I'm talking about. Anyway, so, um, but guys, listen, our strategy, by the way, is very simple. It's never changed. You know what it is? It's invest and invite. That's it. Invest and invite. You know, build, build a, re a redemptive relationship. Just build. Love people. You know, the problem is the longer you're in the church, the less likely you have people that are friends in your life that don't go to church anymore. Shame on us. You know, love people. Build a relationship with people who don't know Jesus. Share your faith. Share your story. Be a friend. Love them. Serve them because they matter to God. And then invite them to Coastal. You know, because we promise that when you invite them here, man, they're going to hear about Jesus. 
We're going to introduce them to Jesus. This is going to be a, a safe place for a dangerous message. They will be accepted as they are. Listen, Coastal, together, we can do this. You can do this. I know sometimes we think, man, Pastor Chris, you know, you haven't even talked about numbers. You know, like, how, many, how, how large do you think our church can grow in this new year? And Listen, you know what? If we focus on being the church that I'm talking about, that will take care of itself. But sometimes I think we get a little overwhelmed. We think, man, there's no way God could use me and use our church. Listen, this is what I know. God uses the small to accomplish the big. Over and over again, all throughout Scripture, God uses the small to accomplish the big. For example, when God was ready to establish a nation through which he would send the deliverer, he chose one old man. And if you've been reading this year in 2015 and following along with us in our daily reading uh, in our Bible plan, uh, what's the one man that he chose? Abraham. And it's almost his old wife, way past childbearing age, and he said, you're going to be the family. You're going to be the one through which the promise will come. Listen to this. Joseph, the man, he was from a dysfunctional family. I mean, they beat him up and they sold him into slavery. His brothers did that. He was falsely accused of rape. He spent time in prison. This was the man that God would use and raise him to second in command in the most powerful nation on the planet. And he, he would keep God's people from dying from a worldwide famine. When God was ready to deliver his people from slavery in Egypt, he chose a disgraced felon, a murderer named Moses, afraid of speaking in public to challenge the most powerful ruler in the world and to lead God's people to freedom and liberty. When God said he was going to select a new king to lead his people, he chose a shepherd boy named David. When God wanted to protect his people from a genocide plan cooked up from a, a crooked politician, he used a Jewish girl picked from the prince of Persia's harem. When God chose to send his one and only son, Jesus, to planet Earth, as a flesh and blood human being. He didn't choose a wealthy, prominent, or royal family. He sent him to be born as a baby in a barn to poor peasant teenagers. Listen, you can't get around it. It's all through the Bible. God uses small things, ordinary people, to do the extraordinary. You see, I believe I believe we can change the world. You say, how, Pastor Chris? That sounds a little daunting. Change the world? Come on. We can. One life at a time. You know, we changed the world for that, that kid from Oakland Elementary School by getting them involved in a vacation Bible school that blows them away. And they can't wait to get to church. In fact, when they come, it, it causes them to beg their parents to come. We changed that kid's world. We change the world for that woman or that man caught in addiction to whatever. It doesn't matter whether it's drugs or alcohol or pornography by offering them groups and grace and truth and a place that's safe and welcoming. We change the world for that family that just can't seem to break that cycle of poverty or debt through things like Financial Peace University, which, by the way, we're going to be offering again this semester in our life groups. We change the world for that teenage girl who is cutting herself or giving herself away sexually just so she could feel value and feel love. We change the world for that, that teenage boy who lets himself do stupid things, dangerous things, just to prove that he's a man through an awesome student ministry. 
that helps them see that God is real, that Jesus does love them, and they have worth, and they have meaning. We change the world for that couple who is about just to give up, cut their losses, divide up all their stuff, and, and get out a visitation plan just to get out of this mess. Through things like counseling and teaching and small groups and truth and love. We change the world for every single person who is far from God when we live a life that's centered on Jesus and we obey his words and we do his works. So there it is. Another year. And Coastal, I'm not calling you to another dreaded task to heap something else on your already full plate. No. I'm calling you to change the world. You know, so in 2015, let's stop worrying about what we don't have or how far we have to go. Man, let's just rise up and be the church. Man, let's get busy loving and serving and reaching out and inviting. Like everything depends on us. And then let's pray. Let's get on our knees and beg God to use us to draw people here to himself like everything depends on him. And then let's walk by faith and trust him with the results. Let's change the world. Everything else is just sugar water. But we get to be a part of the church. That's what I believe. And that's what I see. We can do this together. Coastal, bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you today. I thank you for the church. God, I do believe it's time for us to rise up and to be what you called us to be. For such a time as this, you know, there is no better time than right now. The world in which we live, the time in which we're placed to be the true church to love this world around us, to show them there is a better way. There is a way, there is a truth, and there is a life, and his name is Jesus. And Father, I just pray that um, that's what we'll focus on this year. And that as we do that, we'll become more and more like the church you've called us to be, a hospital, a school, an army, a family, that we will change this world one life at a time. Father, maybe there's somebody here today who's ready to be a part of that family, to be a part of your church. It's really simple to join. It's really easy to be a part of it. It comes through, it comes through trusting in your son, Jesus. Maybe you're ready to do that today. You're hopeless and you want hope. You feel ashamed and you want forgiveness. And you can have it today as you are right now. You don't have to clean up yourself to get this. You can come to Christ as you are right now. Just pour your heart out to God. Tell him you love him. Say, dear God, I do. I love you. Today I want to come home. I want forgiveness. I want a home and I want to be a part of your family. I realize today that you sent your son Jesus for me. He died on that cross for me and my sin. I was the reason for your, your rescue mission. Father, today I believe. I believe that Jesus is your son. Again, that he died on that cross for me but that sin and death could never contain him. And he rose from the dead, and he is alive. He is real. 
He is, he is by your side on your throne. And today I put all of my trust, all of my hope, not in my own goodness or my ability to appease you, but simply what Jesus did for me on the cross and through the resurrection. And for the rest of my days now, God, I just want to follow him. And I thank you, I praise you for, for making me now today brand new and clean, holy in your sight, not because of me, but because of him. Thank you. And today I want to be a part of your family, be a part of the church to change this world one life at a time. And thank you today for changing mine. I pray this in Jesus' name.